0: It's four o'clock in the morning. In 70 minutes, the world will fall into nuclear war. How do you spend your last hour on Earth? Fighting for survival or roaming several city blocks ineffectively? Causing mayhem accidentally? Thinking about tube stakes and searching for the girl you met just hours ago? This episode, we watch the 1988 thriller Miracle Mile and hope that the Russians sent enough missiles to get the job done. You're listening to A Kinda Garbage Podcast, movie edition. So Adam, this movie, which came out in 1988, I saw it several years after it had came out, probably on a cable movie channel, when I was much too young to understand what was going on. And I had not seen the start of the movie. I had only seen the last, let's say, 20 to 25 minutes of it. And it confused the hell out of me and also scared the hell out of me. Now watching this movie, the present date, what did you think of Miracle Mile?
1: Miracle Mile was anxiety riddled <laughs> <laughs> movie where i think you spend most of the time yelling at the tv being like no don't do this it was it was a fun ride but so frustrating at the same time just watching people act out what i guess what they think would be the positive thing to do in just a point where they believe the world's coming to an yeah, end yeah
0: so i kind of rediscovered this movie for myself when we were watching one of the drive in delirium movies and they showed the trailer for it and for about the first 30 seconds or the first, let's say, minute, 30 seconds of the trailer, I kind of sat there going, this looks familiar. And then as soon as at the end of the trailer, I think it shows a helicopter. All I could remember was being 10 years old, probably watching this movie on cable while my mom and dad were like, Cody, it's bedtime. And I'm like, I'll go to bed as soon as this movie's over. The movie ends and I just laid in bed with my eyes open, just thinking about my own mortality at a much, at a much too young
1: age. <laughs> which i think is funny because if you ask anybody when they realize that they could die or that death is a thing they can tell you so this is your moment i know exactly my moment was let's hear it. when when did you realize that
0: someday you're just gonna die
1: so it was um fox 29 or fox kids had a a cartoon mini series that i think was four episodes so four saturdays in a row and it was called red planet and it was about um this kid on mars trying to i think unleash air on the planet and he had this little like alien like dog thing and at the end of the series the alien dog turns into like like a giraffe elephant creature that's like 200 years old and it's that creature is now telling the story because he can speak I guess telepathically to um all these people on the planet now that has air it's like a new earth and he's telling them he was telling the story of his friend and the, the girl was just like or the girl boy I can't remember was like oh that's what my grandfather was doing or my great grandfather and he's like yeah and then they just like look over at the the tombstone oh, no. of the kid as an adult and <laughs> and I, I i can't remember if i started crying when i was a little kid because that's when i realized oh my god he's dead <laughs> and that's when mortality like when i realized holy shit he, he's dead
0: so this this movie's kind of famous for being an unproduced screenplay for years and years and i think part of the problem was every studio that kind of wanted to take a chance on producing it wanted the the director and the writer Stephen de they wanted him to change the ending because this movie has a very bleak ending we spend the first little bit of the movie establishing the characters and their relationship and then the world just falls apart and I didn't see any of the beginning of this movie I literally turned on the TV and it looked like your average action movie of you know a volcano or a meteor coming or some natural an earthquake or some natural disaster where the hero and his has to rescue his love interest and then they're going to make it and then they're going to look at each other and say I love you and I can't believe we made it through that and then roll credits the conclusion is what I saw and it scarred the living hell out of me and then I had to lie in bed and just think about it all night and just realize someday I'm going to die I'll have no control over it and almost assuredly there will be a point during my death where I'll have to sit there and go I'm going to die <laughs> and it's it. yeah it's pretty scary and uh so upon rediscovering this movie I was really excited to watch it I was really excited for you to watch it um and I'm really excited to talk about it because I think this movie holds up. I think this movie has a lot of interesting points to talk about.
1: I'm I'm actually super surprised yeah. this movie hasn't been remade yet. And I'm sure somebody's looked into remake it in and it's like a remake development hell. But yeah, it's like <laughs> the movie starts out, I guess, with an outdated evolution yeah. intro <laughs> when they're showing the evolution of man from like microbes to fish to lizards. And I'm like, <laughs> it, it didn't happen like that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, the movie starts off with our protagonist, Harry, who's a musician uh, visiting LA for a concert, uh, killing some time at a museum where he runs into Julie, who is a, a waitress at a restaurant. And they kind of have one of those, they kind of have like a quick courtship where they kind of flirt with each other throughout the museum. And they run into each other outside of the museum and realize that they have a lot in common. And they both are kind of what they're looking for in another person at that moment, and they 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 fall fast and hard, as they say.
1: I honestly thought that he worked at the museum
0: and she was a
1: teacher yeah. on a field trip with the kids. Just from where they were in the yeah, they kind with everybody yeah, it doesn't really. The
0: there's a lot going on in that scene, but basically they're just two separate visitors to a museum. Even though it is con- kind of confusing, it does look like he's a museum worker and she's a school teacher. They're not, so they spend the day one Wandering around uh, the Miracle Mile in Los Angeles, talking about you know their hopes and dreams and everything, and realizing that they're they're kind of might even be each other's soulmate. So they come up with the plan that at midnight, when she's done work at the diner she works at, he's going to come to the diner and take her out on a date, and they're going to have a proper date at midnight in Los Angeles. So he goes back to the hotel, falls asleep, sets his alarm, accidentally oversleeps you Wakes up at about four in the morning and decide and realizes that he's overslept by hours. How in, how
1: does his alarm not go off though? Because so that's n- normally a when part. your alarm
0: it could have been his alarm just didn't go off, or he just slept through his alarm, or his alarm broke, or anything. We get to really hammer home that this isn't his fault in any way. He's smoking a cigarette out of his hotel window and throws the butt away, and a crow picks it up and then flies back to its nest which is right on the power lines to the hotel and then drops the cigarette butt in its nest causing a small fire which then trips out the power to the hotel and because this is the 80s his alarm clock is plugged into the wall it, it does looks like i don't think they realize that, the that, like, yeah, the there's back. been wind up alarm clocks for about 150 years up to this point but his wind up alarm clock also <laughs> needs to be plugged in to the uh, hotel's power.
1: Shoutouts to the prop guys as well for putting the eggs yeah. in the nest. So as it's on fire, the <laughs> yeah.
0: chicks inside are going to be home. boiling. <laughs> At this point, I have seen the end of the movie, so I know what's coming. You don't. I have no idea how the rest of this movie plays out. So it's almost comical how fast they fall in love and how fast their first date is already going to hell. I'm starting to think in my mind, maybe that's what this movie is, is it's just a series of of unfortunate events of them trying to like find each other. And there's always going to be a really convoluted uh, problem that keeps them separated. As in... uh, all right so he oversleeps he realizes he doesn't know where this girl lives doesn't know where uh he doesn't have her phone number he knows the area in which she lives and which she works uh, and the reason he knows the area is when they're hanging out during the day her and her grandfather go to see his concert and after the concert the grandfather asks if they would like to join him in a delicious tube steak oh uh, can i buy you kids a tube steak not for me Well, yeah, sure. Which is, yeah, ridiculous. So, he doesn't know her phone number. He doesn't know where she lives. All he knows is she works at this diner. So, he goes to the diner at 4 o'clock in the morning and tries to convince her co-workers to let him know where she lives. And they're not really being cooperative the one waitress knows he stood her up and then everyone else thinks he might just be a random creep looking for a a girl's address so he's wandering around outside the diner and this is where the movie really picks up pay phone outside the diner rings he answers it a frantic man starts spilling dialogue (laughs) to progress the plot there's nuclear missiles coming and this is the big one and there's no stopping it. And it's time to enact code, whatever. And, And and all this, you know, military jargon speak. So he realizes that the man on the other end of the phone is calling the wrong phone number and he's telling the wrong person this information. So he goes inside, shares the information with the rest of the people inside the diner, to which they basically come into agreement that this doesn't sound like a prank phone call. It sounds like they are the first people, they're the first people at four o'clock in the morning that are awake in downtown Los Angeles. And they're the first people who know the information that Los Angeles is about to be nuked off the face of the earth.
1: As he's entering the diner to warn everybody... He smashes his face off the door, (laughs) and as he goes back in to get his eggs, his nose is bleeding all over (laughs) his food, which is fucking gross. Yeah, so he starts um, rambling to these people about it, and you got a whole cast of characters of uh, looks like a flight attendant, a transvestite prostitute, the cook, two city workers, and then not not only is Denise Crosby from Star Trek
0: um, one of the diner patrons, but also the the police chief from RoboCop is the short order cook which is it's always great just to see a RoboCop side character come out in any movie so yeah um,
1: he's telling everybody and yeah the short order cook pulls a gun out out on him out of nowhere after freaking out yeah that scene was just like it's everybody not believing him what are you rambling on about and the only person who gives him any credibility is Denise Crosby because she used to date a guy who worked at like yeah so Denise Crosby kind of
0: verifies that the information he's sharing would be the kind of information that only someone who worked at like the defense department would know and it doesn't sound like it's a prank phone call. So she kind of backs him up saying like, this isn't someone calling in a prank phone call to scare you wouldn't know the information that he now has. This sounds like it's coming from someone who knows the missiles are coming.
1: Once they've all basically got on board that this is happening, this is the truth, they all load up. I, I I almost want to say an ice cream truck yeah but it's um
0: yeah it's like a street
1: meat truck yeah so they all loaded up thank god denise crosby has um a 1980s zach morris cell phone with her so she can call all the important people to let them know to get on top of this building to be airlifted to uh, uh yeah she Nevada? She's, she's
0: basically saying that there's there's government precautions that were set up that in case this happens there was going to be areas in the city used as evacuation points so her plan is to try to get these people to an airport as soon as they can to get out of Los Angeles.
1: So when she's making the calls I think it was uh, three of the five like Senators, like important people she knows Have already been evacuated yeah. So that adds more credibility to the claims Harry really needs To go get uh, Julie Because he's fallen in love with her So that's where the descent into madness really begins Where the driver of the truck Won't stop for two seconds Just to let him out So he has to jump out of the, the moving truck On a turnpike, breaking his glasses And smacking his face off of the yeah, he's kind of yeah. Right? So
0: he jumps out, kind of gets a case of road rash on his face, and he's now passed out, basically on a highway on ramp.
1: Which is crazy because two uh, bikers almost like run him over, just pass him, don't yeah. even stop. Which holy shit! <laughs> the first thing I thought like, oh, they're gonna stop. No, instead, what happens is um he has a gun with him that he took from the driver of the um, of the truck. So he holds up a guy driving like a Cadillac, and he holds him up, and the guys says don't shoot me don't yeah. shoot me I'll blame it so on the family of Mexicans the, the
0: guy he, he carjacks is uh, Michael Williamson who's I guess would be most famous to everyone as Bubba from Forrest Gump he's now partnered up much like Tom Hanks he's partnered up with <laughs> with Bubba. And he's holding him at gunpoint, making him mm-hmm. drive back into the city so he can go and find Julie. So in his in his quest to find Julie, he's accidentally alerted the early morning residents of LA that a nuclear missile's coming. He's accidentally driven out of LA and now he needs to find a way back into the, the downtown area. So to do this, he's carjacked somebody and taken them hostage.
1: And then this guy now needs to go get his was I think I believe it was his sister, but on the way there. Yeah. he needs to fill up his car with gas so they pull into they pull into a taxi stop which it's a gas station just for taxis and I think this is the point of the movie where it really descends into all out chaos and madness and it just starts it, it just picks up every, every yeah, scene after so this, something more insane they go happens. to get
0: gas so everything it's four in the morning everything's closed so they stop at a taxi cab depot to steal gas there is a man still at work or a man who's just started work so he comes out with a shotgun and stops them thinking that they're robbers so Wilson the man carjacked offers to give him money for the gas and he lets him know that Harry will give him $50 for like one tank of gas and he says just let us fill up we'll give you I'll give you 20 Harry I'll give you 50 so that's $70 for a tank of gas and just like just let us go so as they're making the deal a police car drives by and sees the man with the Gun. So the guy working at the cab goes. I can't like this guns unregistered. If the cops come in here, I'm going to go to jail for 10 years. To which Wilson says, my car trunk is full of stolen stereos. If the cops come in here, I'm going to go to jail for 20 years. Now things are really interesting because no matter what happens, they cannot let the cop, neither of them really know or believe that a nuclear war is coming, but they cannot be arrested.
1: So that's the point where Wilson tells the cops as they're um, telling the gas tenant to get on the ground, drop his weapon. Wilson's like, I work here. (laughs) He was trying to rob me. That gentleman, Harry, is just trying to buy gas. And then for some odd reason, Wilson just takes the gas pump and just hoses down both police officers. And <laughs> the female police officer, she must have been shot, but she raises her gun, shoots in the air, and clearly the spark just lights her up. And then her partner, for some reason, goes closer to her. He lights yeah, up. They some, both fall on the ground. They're on There's some amazing
0: uh, stunts in this. Uh, a double man on fire, which is always good.
1: They, <laughs> they're both lit up laying on the ground. That's when there's an explosion. They steal the cop car.
0: He knows where Julie lives during his escape from the exploding gas station. He picks up Wilson again and they drive to Julie's apartment to which Harry says, I'm going to run upstairs and get Julie. And Wilson says my sister lives, you know, at the opposite end of the block. I'm going to go pick up my sister and we'll meet back here. So they they have some now there's some something of a plan something resembling a plan to escape.
1: So Harry goes upstairs to get julie breaks into her apartment where her, and her mo- mother lived mother pulls out a shotgun harry's like hey i need to grab julie Th- she kind he kind of tells her it's like that the world's gonna end we have to go downstairs so he goes into julie's bedroom but the mother warns her like she's dead to the world until yeah morning she took a valium because she, took, was, she was upset about being Valiant. stood up for the next foreseeable future he throws her into a shopping cart while they're downstairs and that's where julie it her,
0: it's her grandma I, I and if grandpa if his,
1: so grandma and grandpa reunite because apparently they haven't talked for 15 years and nobody remembers what they were fighting about, which is a real like cliche for any type of we're not talking with each other type like scenarios and movies. She she slowly like comes to he meets them um outside the building, actually a little little ways from the building. They have the car. Yeah, so joy can now Wilson's walk take taken the cop sleep. car
0: because he and, doesn't want to wait. So Wilson's taken the car and they're stuck now with the grandparents in the grandparents' car.
1: And the grandparents aren't coming with them and basically just want to drive off and live their last little bit together because they love each other. So Harry and Julie both start making their way to the helicopter pad.
0: They run upstairs to get to the evacuation point, and there's only a handful of survivors, or they're not yet survivors, I guess. There's only a handful of people who are aware of what's going on. They're now up on the rooftop of this federal building waiting for a helicopter to take them to safety. So while they're upstairs, they realize that the helicopters there the supplies are there, the people being evacuated are there, but there's no helicopter pilot. Harry kind of takes charge and says I need to go find a helicopter pilot right now. So one of the survivors gives him a big fat wad of cash and says there you go, do what you gotta do. So he leaves Julie upstairs and he goes downstairs to roam the streets looking for a helicopter pilot. At this point now it's probably like 4.30 or maybe 4.45 in the morning so they only have about half an hour left. So the streets are completely deserted. The sun's still down. He's the only person up running around the streets of LA. He notices that there's a 24 hour gym. So he runs inside the gym with his handgun and kind of starts frantically waving it around asking if anyone in the gym knows how to fly a helicopter to which we're now introduced (laughs) to an interesting set of characters. We're introduced to the character of Power Lifter and Power Lifter's partner, Leslie. So the Power Lifter <laughs> who's played by uh Brian Thompson, who's been in a bunch of action and science fiction movies. He was in the X Files. I think he, he played, has a face
1: that you remember. Let's just say that.
0: He played Shao Kahn in like the second Mortal Kombat movie. Definitely. He has an interesting yes, face. He did. He's he's definitely a that guy actor. So it's it's him lifting weights, saying, I know how to fly a helicopter. Harry gives him all the money to which he kind of realizes, like maybe Harry isn't crazy. Maybe, you know, maybe Harry's like, it's true. Something is happening. And Harry's the only one who knows what's going on. So he kind of sobers up being like, wait a minute, you're serious. So he says, let me go get Leslie. So he runs into the, one of the the gym rooms and he whistles and says, Leslie, come here, babe. To which I don't know how to describe Leslie other than a twink. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the word i was thinking of I'm like how can you describe it without being like i want say offensive but like just a, a boy about
0: oh a yeah like shorter
1: a, than him half his like size like a very and I'm like, i don't even funny. want to say
0: effeminate just like a very slender thin boyish man who's his partner so they hold hands and the power lifter character says do you have a problem with this and harry's like nope so they they run out into the streets so while they're running out onto the streets Harry sees that Julie has left the rooftop of the building and is also looking for a helicopter pilot. So Harry runs up to try to get Julie's attention. In getting her attention... Police car comes careening over like the the median of the road and crashes into a mall.
1: When I looked at my notes, I had old people reunite, no pilot looking for pilot, muscle man yes. with boyfriend, black guy
0: crashes so in the mall. Now, <laughs> and those it's were the beat. Wilson in the cop car that him and Harry stole. And it looks, it, it, I liked it. it. It's basically establishing that, like, while Julie and Harry were having like a whole bunch of you know adventures and problems trying to get all of everything to work so has Wilson and his sister so Wilson crashes trying to get to the rooftop with Harry and it looks like his sister is dead in the passenger seat it looks like he's been shot by somebody and he's lost control of the car so things have not turned out well for Wilson
1: you start to think about whether or not there is a nuclear attack because Wilson's saying to them you said it would be 50 minutes It's past the time, nothing's happening. And yeah, as a viewer, you're sitting there being like, holy shit. Yeah was he wrong did he get pranked and then the police are outside tell him to come out and Julie's like hey I'm coming wasn't me I'm just coming out raise your hands and then Harry comes out as well and that's where you hear a little bit of a commotion starting and that's where pedestrian
0: madness starts Um, when he crashes the cop car he's also being chased by the cops so the cops have basically set up like a barricade outside of the mall and it looks like this is kind of where the movie's going to end is they get arrested by the police. Harry and Julie are looking at one another saying, well, I guess we have to go out and, and you know, with our hands up and, and turn ourselves into the police. And when they go to do that, the police are all running back to their cars, basically leaving like there's a huge emergency, which now starts to set in like maybe something else is going on. And then you're and then we start to see now it's you know, now the sun's come up and it's morning, and you start to see like the people of Los Angeles, like now it starts be it starts becoming obvious that like word about what's going on has gotten out and now there's a panic. So Julie and Harry have to fight their way back to the the government building to get to the roof.
1: I need to bring up just the layout of the city because when they exit the mall and they go to basically like the corner kitty corner to the mall that they just walked out of. Yeah, is this is the diner.
0: This movie isn't like, that, like this is at. not one of those movies where it's like we need to get to the other like we need to get to, you know, a certain area in Los Angeles within 20 minutes. Like this movie is literally he finds out about the nuclear attack and all he really needs to do is cross the street street and go to the roof of a building and he's rescued that's all he has to do like he's already at the evacuation point all of the which begs
1: the question why were the people in the truck driving so far away i I don't know
0: they were i don't know i think they were going
1: because i was like the buildings the buildings right there it's right it's like right across The mall, the diner, and the building with the helipad are all within the same block. I think the idea was they they have,
0: what was it, 70 minutes or 60 minutes? So I think they all feel like I have enough time to do one thing before we get to the helicopter. So, like, I think they're all like, I have exactly enough time to get one person and then rescue them. So they're all kind of trying to think of, you know what I mean? That
1: was the only thing I was confused about where the three of the spots in the movie were like right next to each other. And even, yeah, that ju- that was the only thing that didn't make sense because while they're um in the the panic streets where he's looking at the TV the news report and he jumps on a man's car and the guy starts shooting through the roof he's crawling on the ground and this is um right near the mall and he falls into a sewer which then he pops up through the grate yeah. inside the so, hotel that has the I don't it's it's office. a hotel
0: or a bank or something it, it's it's just a big skyscraper in in the area yeah so he's he literally just needs to get to the other side of the block but now you know uh, people are running down the street cars have caused a massive tra- like there's a huge traffic jam he can hardly get anywhere people are fighting each other there's people uh, having sex up against buildings I don't know if you noticed that yeah like there, it's complete anarchy no, Like the, I, I the, didn't even see everything <laughs> they said was going to happen is now happening like now it's impossible to get out of the city there's too much of a panic there's nothing they can do so he's literally now crawling through a sewer just to get like 50 yards to where he needs to go like that's how bad things are going
1: when he does enter the the building he hits the button to go up the elevator there's a man dead on the ground as he's entering the elevator Julie is exiting the other elevator right beside it and right away like you can see her coming out and it's just me being like she's right there like I yelled at the TV as like it was frustrating but then the door's about to close and then he sees yeah, her, and, so then they, they they, it, f- and then they stop it and then they read yeah. Yeah,
0: night. like the the whole second half of this movie is them looking for someone or looking for each other and then getting separated or losing that person like it's it and it is fr- you're right like it's frustrating to watch because you're looking at it going like stop just stay where you are like stop wandering around
1: so this basically leads into the the client would you say yeah be the so this is this is basically going to the, the, the point the of the movie time. where
0: i started watching when i was younger where yeah i, I guess you, it you is the last, five it at minutes. the last five
1: Five minutes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe I saw. Maybe I saw a bit of the anarchy on the street. Like I did not see much about this movie, but like the part I saw is 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 definitely the most important part of the movie, and it's the part that like stuck in my head for like years. So Harry and Julie now take the elevator back up to the rooftop where the helicopter is gone. So they are now downtown Los Angeles on top of a, a big building's roof. Stranded. One of the other evacuees has basically just decided to get drunk and do drugs and like hang out on the roof and like just wait to see what happens because he also doesn't think the helicopter's coming back. So he's kind of given up, and it's not really helping the situation between Harry and Julie, who are now thinking this is it, they're gonna die on the roof. And then lo and behold, power lifter comes back with the helicopter he brings the helicopter down low enough for Harry and Julie to jump on they jump on and then he starts to fly away
1: yeah so right before that um, the guy who yeah. started drinking the one that was like cursing about Denise Crosby it I swear he gets yeah, off he's, the ground just he's to like the right of the either having uh, the sex elevator. with an
0: unconscious person and or like a dead body
1: I thought that was Denise Crosby at first I have to go double check to see what she was wearing which sounds horrible but I'm like is he f- did he kill or did he rape her? it's like oh no but they they didn't lead into that i was super concerned but they never went into depth of that actual moment yeah like you were saying they jump on the helicopter which that moment they either had an actual helicopter because you could see once they got on it it dips so they either had an actual helicopter going or it was one like on a pole which that's what i assume it would probably be so um power lifter he's like i got you guys i came back and he has yeah bullet holes in his chest this is something that i really really uh, like
0: this." this is something i like about this movie is every time a character like disappears and then comes back it like clearly shows that like they have had their own thing going on like no one comes back and goes like oh hey there you guys are I was waiting for you Like everyone who comes back literally looks like they just crawled through a world war to get back there. Like everyone comes back in like terrible condition. As he's
1: airlifting them, you see um, what, like three, I think it's three rockets shooting in the air, which right at that point, you're like, holy shit, either nukes were actually coming or Harry created such. Hysteria over everyone in the City that they've now launched Missiles for no reason and they don't Really go did they go into it Like even like I don't know if it was left up to Interpretation if I missed something but that's How I felt watching it like I, You know what that's interesting that I didn't pick now. up
0: On that I I just assumed That the, the war had started And that the US had launched Missiles and Russia had launched missiles And basically the movie Takes place during the period Of like the flight time between the missiles. So that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about it from the aspect of Harry has caused accidentally caused so much of a commotion that he inadvertently starts World War (laughs) three.
1: I'm sure that's not what like actually that's, happened that's just what I took away from like did he start it because when Harry eventually when Harry does yeah. eventually talk to the um the kid's dad who called him that's where like yes my son does work in a, in a missile silo yeah that's that's confidential information so right there you kind of like there has to be some truth to that but I like to believe that's in interesting. my heart of hearts maybe you'll have that to treat, Harry calls uh, World War Anthony III.
0: Edwards that and see if that was his intention while playing the role is is uh yeah. Harry so unlucky in love that for him to get a first date he has to cause a nuclear war so there there it's powerlifter <laughs> in his helicopter shot up harry julie in the back <sighs> Um, so yeah, uh, (laughs) Leslie is, I'm assuming Leslie makes it to say power lifter is flying them off the building. The nukes come and detonate. And then we cut back to the drunk man on the roof played by Kurt Fuller, who is a legendary that guy actor. Cause he, he literally looks the same in the, I think he looks the same in this movie as he does in movies 30 years after this he's pretty recognizable he's on the roof drunk and high and during the special this movie has terrible special effects by the way well well the special effects really come into play when the nukes detonate and they look awful there's I couldn't I I rewatched it a few times, but there's a scene where he's on the roof, the nukes go off and he says something like, oh, baby, this is it. And then he puts his hands over his eyes, but it looks like he has marshmallows in between his fingers. And I think it's I think the special effect is supposed to be that him looking at a nuclear explosion is just like boiling his eyeballs in his head. Well, it, it, this is kind of a low budget movie, or I, I would say it's sane budget. Like this movie doesn't have a super high budget. I, I, I don't understand what I'm looking at no. because the drunk man puts his hands over his eyes and then there's a white blinding light. But as the white blinding light is coming up, he clearly has marshmallows in between his fingers and I think it's supposed to be; those are his eyeballs melting out of his head in between his fingers, and it looks so weird. <laughs> and I and it is. took me a few times to be like, "What am I looking at?" Was he eating marshmallows? <laughs> <laughs> so he's dead. The helicopter <laughs> is now hit by the explosion, and it loses control, and it crashes into the La Brea tar pits, where the movie start. Yeah, where the movie that's where the movie starts at the museum by the tar pits. Yeah,
1: yeah, when they were going down towards us like oh it's the tar pits. no but it's then i'm not. Looking at them, like that's a pool like it's it's not tar but like it, it might be black
0: water at that point when they when they go down into. so they crash into the tar pit and they start sinking so as they're sinking there's minutes left in the runtime of this movie so you think you think how do they get out of this one yeah so and they drown they look at each other julie says Powerlifter is dead. Powerlifter has not... Sur- don't... I, we can only hope Leslie never finds <laughs> out. Powerlifter has not survived the initial crash. There, the helicopter is now basically sunk to the bottom of the tar pit, and they are now just looking at each other inside the trapped air bubble inside the helicopter as it's filling up. Julie wants to escape, and Harry says, well, like, why? why do you even want to escape? Like, even if you make it to the surface... It's a nuclear explosion on the surface. Like, you're going to die the second you make it to the surface. Why don't we just stay down? Why don't we just stay down here and die? So what got me, though, is uh, (laughs) as they're sinking, Harry says to her, just think in 10,000 years all the heat will turn our bodies into diamonds. And then someone will find us in like a million years and we'll just be diamonds. And then she goes, diamonds. And then he goes, diamonds. And then it fills up. The screen goes dark. Roll credits. That's the movie. And that's what I, that's that's basically the, what i saw when i was a kid and it scared the shit out of me i i
1: really i really enjoyed this movie like i actually liked it a lot as frustrating as it was at some part like it was i can see why it won awards i wish it was more successful when it was released because um the wikipedia shows it costs seven or sorry, $3.7 million to make. And it took in 1.1 at the box.
0: Yeah, I think
1: uh, it definitely
0: deserves more. I think if I had to say that this movie like scarred me or anything like that. One thing I did notice is I love movies where it either has an ambiguous ending or a movie where like the bad guys win. Like I kind of love uh, when it's done right I love when movies do that so I love like the Val movie Prisoners I love how that ends I love the movie uh, the John Carpenter thing movie I love the ending to that Invasion of the Body Snatchers like any of that stuff I just get a kick out of I think it's such a neat when it's done right and you and you try to set up that it is kind of a traditional action adventure movie and then like everything just does go to shit at the end I think it's I think that's great and when it's done great It's, it's amazing. Like I, I hate the movie, uh, the third Terminator movie, how that movie ends with them, like realizing there's no changing the future that like nuclear war is going to happen. No matter what, they just have to put themselves in a situation where they'll be prepared for it. The, uh, that movie sucks, but the last five minutes of that movie is incredible. Like the last five minutes of that movie is, is absolutely amazing. And I think maybe inadvertently without without realizing it, I think this movie might have been like what stuck that in my mind. Like, you know what I mean? Like kind of where I, I got a love for that. For me to rank this movie, I would probably rank this. I think this might be the best movie I've seen yet.
1: Miracle Mile is now your number one, followed by Fair Game, The Shadow, Jaws 3, Far Cry, Comic Book Villains, Dead yes. Weekend, Bodily Harm. This one, see, this one means so much to you. I can understand why it's your number one. Like, I I like this movie. I definitely recommend it again. Where would I put this? Number one's The Shadow. Number two is Far Cry. Number three is Fair Game. Okay. I think I would put at number four right after Fair Game. And then, yeah, so the Shadow Far Cry Fair Game. Yeah. And then Mir Mile. I absolutely, I, I like this movie. I'm definitely going to recommend it for myself, though. I, I feel like that's a good spot. I, and I still wrestle with, um, I almost wish, like, I, I can't change my numbering. I almost wish I put dead weekend above comic book films because then I feel like I would put <laughs> dead weekend above this. Cause I, lo- I love, I dead weekend, <laughs> but, but yeah, okay. this would be my number four will be miracle mile. So guess what? What's up? We have no mail.
0: Perfect. I
1: love it. We, we broke our streak of one letter. So please people, if, if you want to email <laughs> us, please do. It's a kind of garbage at email.com.
0: So if you've listened but- to earlier episodes of the podcast, it started out with, us doing the podcast as kind of a way to stay in touch with one another and you know socialize during the coronavirus pandemic we are now at the stage of the podcast where the coronavirus pandemic is still going on and now uh we've added racial i guess racially motivated riots and protests in north america so things are great the
1: the movie hits um hits a topic close to home right now where it's the streets look the same in the US as it does in this movie near the end of it. Just mass chaos fires, looting. Yeah, so we're
0: doing this podcast (laughs) and while it's going on, watching the news it's people wearing their N95 coronavirus masks, throwing cinder blocks through target windows and lighting cop cars on fire. The president of the United States, Donald Trump, only really seems to be either doing absolutely nothing or going on Twitter and stoking the fires of what's going on. So yeah, super exciting time.
1: Yeah, um, hopefully he can get some more golf in because I know how important that is. With that said, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you yeah, thanks survive for listening this and, uh, time to join us for the next uh, one.
0: Do you want to place a little bet right now, Adam? The, by the time the next episode comes out what other natural disaster or horrific thing will be going on that we can also talk about
1: i'm hoping for tornadoes in the the bible belt
0: i'm going to say uh i'm going to say either an aviation or a nautical disaster i'm going to say either a, there's going to be a bad plane crash or the two cruise ships are going to collide into each other in the middle of the ocean and until next time who knows what's going to happen as always,
1: you can find us online through our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram, both at A Kind of Garbage. You can also email us at A Kind of Garbage at gmail.com with any questions or comments you may have. Be sure to check us out at A Kind of where you can find links to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages, as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash A Kind of Garbage, where you can get access to our private Discord channel and Patreon exclusive podcasts. Thank you again for joining us, and be sure to tune in next time. So I think this episode is coming out after we did our first Patreon episode which as of this recording nobody's going to hear because the we, I don't think we have a Patreon at that level for the um for the for the bonus podcast which is fine but um I guess in here we can share what I think the two uh, upcoming
0: oh, Patreon man.
1: episodes are do you remember
0: Yeah I remember we just did one what was it <laughs>
1: We have upcoming. Um, one of my favorite movies. One yeah. of my favorite movies. One of my childhood favorite movies is Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. <laughs> And then a movie that um, Justin DeClue from the Important Cinema Club recommended. I can't remember what episode it was, but I got the Blu-ray. We watched it together. The Steven Seagal classic that you were yelling at my TV while we were watching it, yelling at me, saying, "Adam, this is horrible." And then at the end, you go, uh, "Belly of the, I the Beast." Like
0: <laughs> little is little Belly sneak of the beast in the belly of the beast here, but it is, it is, it is cinema at its finest. It is, it is a movie that challenges. Is the viewer and that's what good movies do it they they challenge the viewer um the way this movie does it is it challenges you not to put on a better movie <laughs>